What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson. This is the Outlet Forum Podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camella. What's up, Chris? Gobble, gobble, Chaz. I'm still digesting uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Man, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving weekend. Hope everybody is still... If you eating leftovers right now, after Monday, you might want to go to the doctor. So, hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving weekend. I know I did, Chris. I'm thankful not only for you, but for the show. And... My Christmas stuff is already put up, actually. I do that on Black Friday. So um, we ready for Christmas. We rolling into December. And the NBA keeps turning, man. Are the Boston Celtics the best team in the NBA? And Katie went off for 45 points on the Orlando Magic. And the Nets are starting to heat up, winning six or seven. Are they the real deal? And the Warriors, they starting to heat up a little bit. But it looks like they actually went down to the Dallas Mavericks in a battle a duel between Luca and Steph. We'll get into that. But Chris, we got to start first with the Los Angeles Lakers blowing this damn 17-point lead, albeit against, ironically, the Indiana Pacers, who have Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Miles Turner hit a very huge three down the stretch uh, to actually bring the Pacers within six. And it was just possession after possession of the Lakers in the fourth quarter, not executed. And I just have so many questions from why did Russ close the game? So why did Anthony Davis only touch the ball only two times in the fourth quarter? And why is LeBron James missing easy shots and bunnies? And even though he had an MRI on his ankle, he twisted his ankle. It sounds like he's going to be okay. He's going to be probable for the next game against Portland on Wednesday night. But Chris, I just have so many questions. Can you break down what happened and why the Lakers blew that 17-point lead? And does this is this a, a point where it's going to put the Lakers back three steps, take two steps forward, three steps back? Or is this some kind of little blip that they can get over quickly because it is the NBA and you play every other night? Well, first of all, this guy Nebhard, who hit the game-winning buzzer-beating three, Andrew Nebhard. First of all, I don't even think his own mother knew he played in the NBA. That is how <laughs> random this guy is. No disrespect. <laughs> no disrespect to the Nebhard family. I'm sure they were very proud. My point being is this guy is so random. I'm sure members of his own family like, hey, man, we got a cousin that plays for the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> well, if you don't know, now you know after that buzzer-beating three. I mean, you want to talk about a heartbreaking loss considering the Lakers had won three in a row. They had won five out of six. They swept their little San Antonio two-step. And, you know, everything was looking good, Chaz. I mean, after a kind of a hard-fought hard first half, there was no third-quarter debacle like we've seen from the last couple of years where the third quarter has been the Lakers' kryptonite. And it they were up 17 with 10 minutes to go. Now, granted, in today's NBA, no lead is safe. You could be down 30 points, Jazz. If you can get hot from downtown, that three-point shot is the great equalizer we have seen over the last several years. It hasn't mattered uh, what a team is down. If they can get hot, then they can get back into a game. You always have a chance. So from that aspect, mm -hmm. Indiana jacked up 49 threes yesterday, and they took a lot of them in that fourth quarter. 
The Lakers lost that game because they simply took their foot off the gas. They stopped executing offensively. They didn't, even when they were trying to get the ball to Anthony Davis, they were force feeding him. They didn't give the ball to him in the right angles. That's why he only took two shots. The Lakers got out rebounded in critical stretches. Not only was Indiana making threes, they were getting multiple opportunities. But here's where the game changed. They went on a 10-0 run within two minutes of when the Lakers went uh, uh, went up 17. So now all of a sudden, you're in a dogfight here. You're up seven with essentially seven and a half or eight minutes left to go. So now all of a sudden, what seemed like, okay, we got a buffer. Now, if they would have came back and cut it to within eight with about two minutes to go, you feel a little bit better about where you're at. But they got back into that game so quickly, thanks to Matherin, Halliburton, Nebhard, Miles Turner, Buddy Heald. I mean, it was a total team effort. Give Indiana credit. They have surprised a lot of people, and I don't think anyone's really talked about them except for the fact that Miles Turner and Buddy Heald could be linked to the Lakers. No one's talking about what they're doing on the court. Nobody's talking about what, what Benedict Matherin had, di- had did. By the way, he had 23 points. Shot after shot, man. He, he stepped great, up. backed up everything that he said exactly. about, hey, man, LeBron James better know me. He had a, a, a quote. But then he, going into the game, he also paid respect and paid homage, you know, when asked about LeBron. But it was just shot after shot that he made. And Halliburton, this guy has had 60 points and over 40 assists and zero turnovers zero. in the last three games. So he's balling. Anthony Davis has been balling, too. I just don't like the fact that he doesn't ask for the ball. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's who I blame most. It's Darvin Ham because you have to be able – to have the guts to not have Russ finish games. I'm tired of it. I've seen enough. I've seen enough. Russ does not, I don't care. He he hit a very huge three with about maybe what a minute and a half to go. But other than that, there were missed shots, bad decisions, back-to-back turnovers. He's not a player that I want to finish the game. You're taking the ball out of arguably the best player who's ever played the game of LeBron James. You're taking the best, you're taking the ball out of his hand. If LeBron had the ball, Anthony Davis would have touched it more. Why? Because LeBron would have made sure of that. There was a possession where Russell Westbrook shot the ball, missed. Anthony Davis gets the rebound on a tip out, gives it back to Russ. Paul Arena's like, no, don't shoot. He doesn't shoot, but he drives to the basket, misses a layup, and they go down, and Miles Turner hits that three right. to bring him within six. So it's just bad decision after bad decision. It was. Man. Dennis Schroeder needs to be starting now luckily he was on the floor at the time but Lonnie Walker should have been in Troy Brown should have been in mm-hmm. I mean Austin Reeves was in uh LeBron AD uh Russ and Dennis Shorter those were the five but I think Lonnie Walker definitely needs to close the game over Russ at this point and I don't I don't think that sounds crazy in saying that because of the decision making that Russ has had for over sure the course of the season and let me yeah and i think you bring up some good points and i like the fact darvin ham pulled a page out of sean mcveigh's handbook hey this loss is on me i took responsibility uh you know i should organize the offense better but also too Chaz, this is so i want to go in a little bit deeper here this is two second halves in a row where their defense completely imploded now they gave up 70 points to the san antonio spurs on saturday night And we're not talking about that. Why? Because they were able to dig out a 143-138 win. LeBron went off for 39. Lonnie Walker had a good game. A lot of guys stepped up and played well. Okay, great. 
But now you're in a situation where you're up 17. You got to be able to get stops. Never mind your offense because you're going to cool off at some point. You have got to be able to get stops. That's not just getting out to the shooters. That's also securing the basketball. And they did a horrible job of that. Indiana was gang rebounding. They were putting a lot of pressure on Anthony Davis, deflecting balls out of his hands. They just wanted that game more. They gave up 60 points, including 32 in the fourth quarter to Indiana. Inexcusable. Not to mention, even when the Lakers were going up, Chaz, like they were up seven, they were 17, then they built it back up to 11. I never felt safe. Why? Because the pace was not theirs. The pace belonged, ironically enough, no pun intended, to the Pacers. They controlled the pace of that final six-minute stretch of that fourth quarter. And, gotcha. and, and doing the little things, securing offensive rebounds, getting the balls out to the open man, that completely doomed the Lakers. And all night long, they struggled with matching up in, in transition and semi That's it. That, yeah. there, there it is. That was the point that I was going to make. The transition defense, uh, LeBron in an interview recently yeah. had said, hey, we got to work on our defensive rebound and our transition defense. And ironically, that's the two things that, that plagued them. Um, and losing this lead now as, as much as we're getting defense. on the Lakers yeah they, they were they were close to winning seven out of what eight no no six I out of seven yeah six, six, six out, out of seven. seven right um the third quarter didn't plague them they actually had complete control of this game going into the fourth and you know got beat by 10 in the fourth but leading up to that they had been playing well um yeah absolutely LeBron, and for LeBron most of this game the they floor. played well I'm sorry Anthony they... Davis Anthony Davis should have been player of the week, but he didn't. Outside of that loss in Phoenix, they still played well. Um, I just think that overall, they have to be able to come together and match up in transition better. Mm -hmm. and, 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 that's, and that's the theme. But let me ask you this, Chris. There was an article that was dropped by Dave McMiniman uh, earlier this week about the Lakers and their potential moves. I don't want to really get into the trade speculation as far as the players, but I more so want to talk about the timing. I'm of the belief that the Lakers have to really get through December and be above water. They have to play better than 500 basketball throughout the month of December. And, and they have an absolute gauntlet ahead of them on this road trip coming up. Mm -hmm. They got Milwaukee. They got Philly. They got the Pacers before they go on the road. Um, they're obviously going to be in Cleveland. It's it. It definitely was. So, what do you think about the timing about them possibly making a move? I'm I'm thinking it's going to be closer to January when they do it. Dave McMiniman obviously points out what we all know about December 15th being a date where uh, contracts that have been signed over the offseason, a la Patrick Beverly, uh, can be traded. So that means more players would be available. Do you think that the Lakers really have to go through this stretch and play better than 500 basketball? Or do you think that either way, they, they're going to make a move at some point, regardless of how, how they play. Yeah, I, that's a very good question. Uh, I think it really is going to depend on their record and which way that they're trending. If they could keep up what they're doing right now, that even, even though that loss is going to sting, I'm sure that film session on Tuesday was rough to go through. And it, I'm sure it was a type of situation where, Everyone probably said if we just would have grabbed one rebound, made one three, made one free throw, made everything. Make it, a bunny. Right. Go and on. hopefully this doesn't deter them from the progress that they've made the last couple of weeks and they could continue to press on and, and be more competitive. Because even in some of their losses, including Monday night's loss, they've been competitive. So I think that's what they're going to look at more. 
are we getting blown out of the building like we were the first two weeks of the season, first two, three weeks of the season? Or are we more competitive in these games, even in our losses against some of these really good teams like you mentioned? They're going to play Philly. They're going to play Milwaukee. They're going to play Portland again. They're going to play Cleveland. So if they could hold their own, even if the even if it if there are more L's stacking up in that in that column, in that win-loss column, I think the progress has to be there. And there's also part of that article that said they feel, and I kind of feel this too, they're a piece or two away from being a true contender. If they could add themselves a solid three and D type wing player, I think definitely that was vacant last night. And I think a more, uh, another dynamic big man to, you know, supplement what you get out of Anthony Davis. And maybe even if you could, you know, turn Kendrick Nunn into something, uh, else on the perimeter. I mean, even though none's been a little bit better of late, he just very streaky. He either gives you no points or 10 points. There's really like no, no consistency to his game. They could add a piece or two. Then they might say to the, themselves, Hmm, we could do something in this crowded well, Western conference. So I don't think a move will be made before Christmas. That's just my opinion. I think January cl- about a month out from the deadline. That's when you'll see them really kick the tires a lot more on uh on a potential trade and probably more teams might be sellers at that point too it's pretty clear that the, their best path to getting as much help as possible is if they are going to trade both picks attach one pick and russ in one deal and then attach kendrick nunn and patrick beverly along with another pick in another deal that way you could get possibly at least three players that are solid right um you know, in, in multiple deals, you're not just going to make one deal and get everything you need. So uh, there, yeah. are, there are a couple deals and a few players away. I, I, I disagree with that. They're further away from being a contender. A contender. No, no, I'm saying that's that what the article, that's what the article it, said. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm disagreeing with McMiniman on that because in my opinion, there's really only about three contenders right now. And that'd be Boston Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks and the the defending champion, Golden State Warriors. And that leads me to a question that I have to ask. Obviously, I'm biased because I'm a Laker fan, but Boston Celtics, man, they've won what? Nine of ten. Nine of ten. Yeah. What, 16 out of 17 of their last 17? Yeah, because they got off to like a one and three start. Yeah, they kind of got off to a little bit of a slow start. Yeah. They have the bet. They have the best record in the league. They're ahead by a few games over Milwaukee. The East is an absolute gauntlet, as I mentioned as well, um, in a logjam over there in the East Eastern Conference. Chris, what do you make of the Boston Celtics? Joe Mazzulla has been playing great basketball. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I can't believe that anybody even suggested that they should be traded and be split up with how well that they're playing with one another. It's like every game that they play, they're, they're each dropping 25, 30 each, along with Marcus Smart and um, Al Horford and everybody pitching in a complete team effort. What do you make of this team? And are they the best team, not only right now, but will they be the best team come June, in your opinion? It's always interesting. The team that loses the finals, I'm always intrigued how they come back the next year. Uh, and how many of those pieces return, obviously the health, everything has to kind of line up accordingly. And there was a lot that went on with this Celtics team off the court 
this past offseason in the midst of the scandal that was Ime Yudoka, it could have sank these guys. And I think some people thought it was like, oh my gosh, Ime Yudoka was a was a big reason for their team's success. Now you got this unproven guy, Joe Missoula, but Missoula is almost kind of taking on the Paul Westhead from the 1980 Lakers type of role where it's, I am basically the placeholder. Well, proving to be more than a placeholder, but I am sticking to what worked for us a year ago. Not to mention we've, we've gotten better in some regard. We, we picked up a great piece in Malcolm Brogdon. A lot of the other young players are starting to develop and, and get better, but it's really the, the play of their quote unquote, big three, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus smart. Those guys have been fantastic. Derek white, a full season with him. He's, he's been great. Uh, and they're hungry. They're hungry and they're healthy. And I think they knew coming into the season, like, yeah, people are probably going to talk about Philly or Milwaukee or Brooklyn or all these other teams. Don't forget about us. We're still the defending Eastern Conference champions, and we are trying to finish off what we started a year ago. And I think they've taken all that negativity, all that crap that happened off the court, and they've brushed it off. And anything else they've used as motivation to bring them together. And sometimes in the midst of adversity, you're, you're going to see a team go one or two ways. They're either going to break apart as individuals or they're going to come together as a team. And, and that's exactly what they've done. So, you know, obviously, yeah, it's hard to admit the, the success of the Boston Celtics, but you can't deny it either. And Jason Tatum, man, I tell you, how, how the Sixers and the Lakers passed up on this guy is a damn shame because damn this, shame. this kid is playing like an MVP and Jalen Brown and him together Oh man, I, I hate to say this. It's almost the second coming to what we've seen. The second, a poor man's version. Stay with me on this. Second coming of a Jordan and a Pippen, in a way. Two guys who are capable of dominating a game offensively and defensively. I think that Jason Tatum, honestly, he is that guy. He's he's the player that everybody Jason Tatum is who everybody thinks that Devin Booker should be. Mm. Like, everybody thinks that Devin Booker is so great. And I think he's great. I do. But there's levels to this, sure. in my opinion. Yeah. And Jason Tatum can, because of his size, because of yeah. his footwork. And they play different it, positions, Jazz. I don't think that's a fair comparison. Because, because of his length. I'm just saying, I mean, everybody was talks about, you know, the second coming of Kobe just got like everybody was talking about the second coming of Michael. It, it, some people thought it was Ray Allen at first. Some people thought it was Tracy McGrady at some point. Some people thought it was Vince Carter. But no, it was Kobe. some people even thought it was Kerry Kittles. Who are those people? Wow. We probably never we will never find out. But there was a time <laughs> where people thought that Kerry Kittles was the next MJ. And obviously that's way off. But Jesus. Uh, Jason Tatum, to me, man, he's, he's a top three MVP candidate. Um, he's going to remain there, especially if they continue on this stretch and win games at a clip of 17 and four. They won 17 of their first 21 games to start the season. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm just impressed with them. And, they, and it's not like they have a super easy schedule. They've beaten teams like the Cavs, the Bulls a couple times, the Pelicans, who's third in the West, the Hawks, who you know aren't great but play consistent and solid basketball with Dejounte Murray being added with Trey Young now. Chaz, like, just look but, at their look at the Atlantic division that they're in. You got Philly, you got both Brooklyn and the Knicks, and the well, Knicks have been Phil playing halfway decent. And you got the Sixers, and I believe the Raptors are in there too, right? 
they are. Yeah. And but I, but of the teams that you that you listed right there, the best team that the second best team are the Raptors. The, the Sixers aren't doing anything. Yeah, but there's still many injuries. They're right. coming up. And we'll, and we'll, and we'll I'm just saying in. none of those, none of those teams that I mentioned are easy outs in their own division. So I'm they saying are. they're doing they a are. great job, not just within their own conference or throughout the league. They're, they're doing a great job within a very competitive division where you have to play those teams three or four times a year. Yeah, no doubt. But I just, what I mean, they have gotten off, haven't gotten off the great start, whether it be due to injuries, whether it be to anti-Semitic comments, whether it be to suspensions, you know, whether it be to, you know, scheduling, whatever the case may be, they just haven't gotten off the great starts. But I'm I'm impressed with Toronto. But the Boston Celtics are the kings of not only the East, but the NBA. And I think right now they are. They're better than Milwaukee. And as great as Milwaukee is without Chris Middleton, because we still haven't seen him yet, right? So that'll be the X so, factor in, in that we'll, potential showdown. Well, so that's the caveat and all that, like you just said. But right now, I, Chris Middleton or not, it just seems like the Celtics are just almost head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah, and they still don't. Warriors, and, and they still don't have and Robert Williams, and, and they don't have the Robert Williams the third back either, right? They're 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 only going to get stronger at that point. And they lost Danilo Gallinari for the season. Yeah, and they uh, never really if, they never really replaced him. Imagine imagine if they had him. So shout out to Joe Mazzula. Shout out to the Celtics organization because you Brad thought Stevens. Brad Stevens for, you know, and everybody involved for, you know, pulling this, pulling everything together because a scandal like they had and suspending and pretty much firing your coach, you know, even though he's not technically fired just yet uh, because he hasn't found another job. He's, I guess, still technically. With he's, in purgatory. Ky- he's in Kyrie purgatory. Messed, Kyrie messed that up because they were going to hire him, but they couldn't, you know, reportedly. So. I don't know. Shout out to the Boston Celtics. Now, you know what other team I think is starting to come around, Chris? Hit me with it. We mentioned them. They're in the Atlantic Division. We'll talk about them and about how a player on their team had a huge night at home the other night. Athlete Hill. You know what? Here's to going for it. And being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. To giving it your all, even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? (laughs) Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Form Podcast. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow all our podcasts on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify, we're on Google Play, we're on iHeartRadio, and of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Drop a comment. Let's get that dialogue started. You can also find us on Nightcast Media, N-I-T-E-C-A-S-T media.com. Go to the Shows tab. Click on the Outlet form. That'll take you to our Apple Podcast page. Chaz, before we get in to to, to the team 
that is starting to make some noise in that Atlantic division that you so eloquently alluded to. Just want to give a couple of heavenly birthday shout outs to a couple of LA broadcasting legends. Recently, it was Chick Hearn's birthday uh, on November oh, 20, on, on November 27th. And two days later, it was, it's time for Dodger baseball. RIP. The great Vin Scully, he would have been 95, Chaz. We just lost wow. him in August. I mean, I remember you and I, we were recording a podcast that night. On live. Yeah, on we had, and I had to break that news to you live, uh, you know, on this podcast. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Chaz, you and I are around the same age. We grew up with both of these guys who are obviously indelible marks on not just the LA Dodgers or the LA uh, Lakers, you know, as part of their historic organizations, they left an indelible mark on the sport of baseball and basketball on the leagues. And I think on the city of Los Angeles, those two are legends. And you know what they say about legends, Chaz heroes get remembered, but legends, legends never die. Never die. And we were so fortunate to hear them growing up, you know, tuning in on a random Monday, Tuesday night, watching a Laker game and hearing, chicks you know beautiful cadence with with Stu lance it was awesome vin scully the sounds of summer man you know uh, it just it, it doesn't feel real that and, and i know chick's been gone now i think 20 this i think uh this upcoming august it'll be 20 years or 21 years that he's been gone so um yeah it's just man i just wanted to give them both a shout out and just you know and the it, best to their families as well because we definitely miss them and and eloquently say, stated just to add to that, the fact that the city of Los Angeles, arguably, because there's a lot of great, great ones out there, not arguably to me, but I'll just pay respect by saying arguably, the two best announcers, respectively, in each sport of basketball, professional basketball and professional baseball, and Ben Scully and Chick, Chick Hearn. Even though Chick has been gone since it was august august of 02 i believe yes he died yeah, yeah. so he's yeah. been he's been gone 20 years but he he lives on right outside of crypto.com arena on chick Hearn court mm -hmm. with his statue yeah um you know so shout, shout out to the family and, and shout out to the laker legends as well as dodger legend ben Scully. um but chris before the break I, we, we were going to get into a team that's starting starting to come around and a player that had a great night. And that's Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. Mm. Kevin Durant went off for 45 points. It was great Ooh. to see him to see a matchup with Paolo Bancaro, um, who in is the leading rookie of the year uh candidate so far uh this season. I think it's he's he's pretty much head and shoulders above every other rookie. Jaden Ivey's playing good. Um, ben Mat Matherin from Indiana. Matherin, you you got to put him in the mix. But yeah, Boncaro. Keegan, Boncaro Keegan Murray in Sacramento I, is playing you, good. You, like, you know what's funny, Chaz? I just want to say this about Boncaro. I hope he brought a notepad and a, and a couple pencils with him that night in Brooklyn because he got taken to school by Kevin Durant. Oh, he's going yeah. to remember. He's going to remember. <laughs> was, we're, we're talking one dribble pull-ups. We're talking dunks. We're talking pull-up threes that Richard Jefferson – He's like, oh, man, I saw that in the finals in 2017. Like, Kevin Durant is that guy. And he has the greatest comeback off an Achilles that anybody in any sport has probably ever had. The fact that he's still playing at this elite level and to go down the way that he did three years ago in the finals, it's 
three years is not a short amount of time. That's that's a good amount of time mm-hmm. to be removed from that. That's pretty much the exact amount of time that Kobe was removed from his. And three years later, he had retired, obviously, albeit older and longer in the lead than KD at this point. But KD is balling like he's going to ball like this for at least another three years. So nice. shout out to him, his, his effort and his passion for the game. Stuff like this, I don't take for granted because we've seen Kobe. We've seen other players. We've seen Jordan. We've seen guys go exit the league and we don't get to see their talent anymore. Allen Iverson, Vince Carter, Shaq, Tracy McGrady, I could go on, Steve Francis, Stefan Marbury, Steve Nash. Like they they go out of the league and you're just like, damn, like where like where did they go? Now they're being replaced, so to speak, with other talent because we got Shane just Alexander. We got John Moran. We got Trey Young. We got a plethora of Jason Tatum, Zion Williams. Yeah. Luka Doncic, the Joker. Yeah, mentioned Luka and Devin Booker, and exactly. So the game is in good hands, right? But nobody, like he said, you know who I am, Kevin Durant, and he's going to live on. And and these performances, I don't take for granted. And the Brooklyn Nets are playing better basketball. They've won, what is it, six of their last seven? Yeah. they balance their books. They're they're at eleven and eleven after a horrendous start. I mean, in more ways than one. We don't need to get into all of those, but just a lot that's happened with this team in a relatively short Kyrie, time span. Kyrie's back, working his way. Doesn't look like an all star at times. Has flashes, but doesn't look, you know, just like that. But uh, I like the way that they're playing basketball. Ben Simmons is out. He he missed a game against the Wizards most but he was playing well but he was playing well before he went down well he's going to you know missing a game but he's been playing well Mm -hmm. what do you what do you make of the Brooklyn Nets can they somehow get make their way into the top six top four seed in the east by the end of the season or do you think that they're going to continue to struggle uh due to their offensive woes at times and their defensive struggles and lack of length and size in the middle yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, obviously Kevin Durant, I've never had a problem with him as a basketball player. I I've always said Kevin Durant, when it's all said and done, and we talk about the greatest small forwards to ever play this game, he's going to be on a short list. And that list of three guys, it goes LeBron, Larry Bird, Kevin Durant. And then after that, Scotty Pippen, I think maybe Kawhi might be on that list. Who knows? Maybe even Jason Tatum. The issues I've had with Kevin Durant was the passive aggressive stuff off the court, the trade demands and everything like that. Um, I did. I do like the fact he finally addressed it with Chris Haynes and it kind of, it made me respect him a little bit more. Like, you know, I wish you would have told what you said to Chris Haynes. I just wish you would have said that when people were writing the type of narrative that, that, um, that they were saying based on the alleged trade demands. I just wish these guys get in front of this stuff before it becomes a, you know, what storm, you know what I mean? And, and I had the same frustrations with Kyrie. Having said all that, going to what we're seeing on the court before the Ben Simmons injury, they were starting to put it together a little bit. I'm glad to see Ben healthy. Uh, definitely, me- it looks like mentally he's in a better place. Hopefully, this little injury that he's got isn't too serious where it's going to keep him out. It's just extended- it's just knee it's just knee soreness. Right, but I'm just saying with know. Ben with Ben just like with Kawhi, these guys get tweaked, I mean, and it's not like they miss a game or two. These guys are sometimes out. Weeks at a time over here. We can't get this guy on the court. I'm talking about Kawhi. I mean, I don't mean to interrupt, but my God. 
Yeah. I, I mean, how's he supposed to live on, on 40 million a year? I mean, he's, he's playing too many games. I, I really think he's going to get worn out. The Clippers really have to do some load management with Kawhi Leonard. Uh, he's played, he's played, he signed a four year, $174 million contract yeah. after he got, after he got hurt. And he's played three games on that contract so far. Yeah. I, I don't want to hear I, anything I, about AD and free clothes. No, no. I, I really think the Clippers are overworking. Kawhi is a real street clothes. Yeah, I understand. But I, th- I really think the Clippers are overworking Kawhi Leonard. Uh <laughs> Uh, but going back to the, going back to the nets, uh, yeah, on the court, they, they've looked better here. Here are my concerns. And you kind of alluded to it. I'm not so much worried about them offensively because I think they have enough guys that can get hot. It's going to be about their lack of size. Will Sean Marks address that? And you don't really need to do it with a big fancy trade that you could probably find some guys on 10 day contracts and see somebody who's just going to go out there. Like, look at a guy like Landale for example, from the Phoenix Suns. He's worked himself into the rotation, and who the hell actually heard of this guy? There are guys like uh, guys like that out there. I call them 10 and 10 guys. 10 points, 10 rebounds. They're going to run the floor. They're going to play hard. They're, they're, they got a nose for rebounding the ball. They could block and alter shots, and that's it. They don't need to get super fancy. I'm really surprised they didn't try to go after Dwight Howard to shore up that front court at the time. Um and the other That's concern I have, yeah. And the other concern I have is defensively team defense, because just like with the Lakers, you can't always depend on outscoring your opponents every single night. You got to be able to get stops. And I, and I'm wondering, is there going to be that guy for them that sets a tone on the defensive end for them? And, and I honestly believe they, they, they would it's really been. benefit. What? Supposed to be Ben. Yeah, it's supposed to be Ben, but I think they need a guy who's actually going to set a tone as far as voice and as far as physicality. And that's why I'm thinking, will Sean Marks enter the Jay Crowder sweepstakes? Because a guy like Jay Crowder, I think, would be a nice addition. Give them a little bit more size on the perimeter. You could still, you know, I think he still uh, uh, allows you to go small. And he's a better version of what you would get out of a guy like Royce O'Neal. And of course, you know, this guy, can, can D up with anyone. He brings a grit, a toughness. I, I hate Jay Crowder. I don't like the smack talk uh, just as a Laker fan, but I definitely respect how hard and tough he plays every single night. So I wonder, especially when we're hearing about Milwaukee or Miami or even Cleveland or some of these other teams that, or even Golden State might be in on the Crowder sweepstakes. I'm wondering if Sean Marks would also want to do that just to address some of the perimeter defensive woes that this team has, has had uh, throughout the first month of the season. Well, they're going to get T.J. Warren back very soon. Yeah. Don't forget, T.J., now he's not a defensive specialist, but he's another lengthy, good offensive wing, another weapon that plays hard defensively. Plays hard defensively. Yes, I mean, but Drake Crowder, I mean, if they they would have to get – who would they give up to get Jay Crowder, though? They need size more than they do another defensive wing. I'm just saying – Yeah. No, I'm with you. In the mix, yeah. One tower, but <laughs> as far as size, like they just, they just, they just need Nick Claxton needs some damn help. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he he's getting absolutely, especially if they're gonna make it through Milwaukee, Philly, 
you know, and in Boston, once they get Robert Williams and, and Al Horford continues to ball. So, I mean, look at look, look what a guy like Patrick Reed was doing for for your Sixers the last couple of weeks that Embiid was out. He's had some really you know good what? performances. Yeah, he has. Yeah. He has. And, so I'm and, just I saying, mean, guys like that are out there. You just have to find them. And I know Sean, if anyone could find them, it's Sean Marks. He has found some really good, talented players over the last few years. Guys like Kessler Edwards, David Duke Jr., um, uh, Cam Thomas. I mean, guys that you know, I'm, I'm not to mention Dinwiddie, Levert. Joe Harris and uh, and Jared Allen. He's found all these guys that weren't household names. Names, so uh, <clears throat> we'll see. We'll see how they address that front court uh, soon, or if they address it. I should say, if if they do, I, they have to, especially if they're if they're serious about being contenders. And at this point, you got Katie. You don't know if you're going to have him moving forward if he's going to request another trade. So you got to go all in. You got to make sure that you're doing what you need to in order to be as competitive as possible as well. Another team that has been heating up and has been pretty competitive are the reigning defending NBA champions in the Golden State Warriors. Now, it's been highly documented that they have not been off to the start that they needed to be or expected to be as the defending champions. Uh, they started off the season 0-8 on the road, finally got their first road win in Houston beating the lowly Houston Rockets, but they got their second one against the Timberwolves, but they went on the road against the Dallas Mavericks and lost a nail-biter. Klay Thompson had a wide-open three to force the game into overtime and just couldn't get enough lift to make the shot, and they go down 116 to 113. But they've been playing really good ball, winning five of six, uh, seven of their last nine. Now, what do you make of the Golden State Warriors and what are they putting together that's showing you that they could be, you know, serious as contenders and defend their championship come June? Well, I think the play of Clay Thompson has definitely improved. Uh, Clay got off to a bit of a slow start to the point where some of these teams, especially in Phoenix, <clears throat> they were blatantly disrespecting Clay. And it's just like, this guy's still working his way back over here. Don't wake a sleeping giant. And I think that's motivated him. He had a 41 point game against the Houston Rockets. I think he had 10 threes in that game. Uh, the concern is not really the star player. Steph is playing like an MVP. Draymond's been solid. It's really been the play of their secondary players. It's been very inconsistent. Jordan Poole has not quite had the same start as he had last season. And obviously his role has changed where Last season, he was starting a lot more chess, so he was the, bene the, the benefactor of playing with guys like Draymond and Steph and, and getting those shots that now Klay Thompson is getting. He hasn't really embraced that six-man role consistently. Even though he did it last year in the playoffs, now he's kind of got to get back to that role. Uh, I think they've played better, but once again, my concern is, just like with Brooklyn, these teams need to defend. And, th and what's funny about Golden State is, They've proven that they could play championship caliber defense. They're just not doing it right now. So it's good to see them balance their books, get back to 500. I, I still think in this Western conference, you know, you put together a couple of good weeks. It, it, it could be the difference between being a 10th place team or the number two or number three seed. I mean, just look at, look at the way the West is stacked up right now. I, I mean, yeah, Phoenix is good. Denver is good. Uh, a couple of these other teams have been solid, but it's really just a cluster, you know what, in there. And that's why no team should feel like they're out of it. But as far as Golden State goes, they're, they're, they're doing good. But A, they got to work on their team defense. And B, uh, they may need a piece off that bench uh, because a lot of these young guys like Poole, 
James Wiseman's been assigned to the G League. Moody hasn't made the impact. Kaminga's been better of late, but they they definitely need a little bit more of a boost off that bench if they're gonna if they're gonna make any sort of run here. Because they are 500 now, they were below 500 for the for the longest. But the yeah. Golden State Warriors have, like you said, balanced the books. They're only four games out of the number one seed and only a half game out of you know the plane or not needing to be in the plane. Exactly. So yeah. that, like you said, that's how jumbled up it is. I mean, even the Lakers are only six games out of the number one season. So they, they have a good couple weeks and they could possibly get up there. I mean, that's what wishful thinking obviously for them at this point, but the golden state warriors, I mean, Steph Curry's averaging 31.4 points per game. You would think that you would think that Jordan Poole and their young guys would be better, but they're just not Moses Moody. He's he's not it. He not yet, at least. Yeah. Um, you you miss guys that you that you know uh Nemanja Bielitsa and Gary yeah, Payton the second and Otto Porter you Jr. Miss those guys. Yeah, I but those guys knew and and I like DiVincenzo, I like Jamichael Green, but it's just it just hasn't been consistent for, for that bench. And they were expecting those young guys to take on more of that brunch as and, and it just hasn't been there yet. No, no, so you're you're going to continue to struggle at times, but Draymond has said it. it. It's hard getting up for these sorry teams in the early part of the season on the road. There's no surprise. I mean, he's he said that. What he said on the shot. Mm-hmm. So, and that was uh, just a couple months before the season, and it's very true. You're in the early part of the season. You're on the road. That's why you went over over eight for your first eight road games and. You're starting to bring it around because at this point you need to pick up wins so that way you don't have to um, be in the play-in. And as you can see, two years of the play-in, you could get bounced out if you don't play good ball, especially if you're that 9 or 10 seed and you need to win two in a row instead of just one. So the Golden State Warriors, I believe, will play themselves out of the play-in and get themselves a top four, top six seed in the West, but especially given how jumbled up the West is, but they're taking some time. Clay, he just has to come around a little bit more. Clay and Poole, those are the players that get a little bit better protection out of your young guys. Don't put bring, bring some pressure off of Steph. Um, and shout out to Draymond. I, I thought that he would have a harder time kind of integrating. I thought that I thought that they would have a little bit more struggles because of the Draymond situation with Jordan Poole. But it seems like they've actually been able to patch it up, at least it, from what it looks like on the floor in terms of how they're interacting and playing with one another. Obviously, their their record doesn't show that because you would think that they'd be better than 500 right now. But let's see if they can continue the momentum after having a tough loss in Dallas, but winning so many of their last few games. I, I think that they'll carry that momentum on and see see where they're at come the all-star break. I think they'll figure it out too. That is, you know, Chaz, you always got to give the defending champs the benefit of the doubt. I mean, unless now if they were like the Lakers record seven and 12 or something Lakers like that. Lakers didn't get it after they won the championship. No. And the Spurs didn't either. You know, there were a lot of teams that didn't play, you know, get out to the best start because a lot of these teams are also seeing the big picture. It's like, we're trying to play the long game. We're going to rest guys on certain nights, uh, second nights of back to back. We're not going to try to play, you know, overextend them, play certain minutes. But as far as what we've seen on the court, those are the concerns. 
the, the, the production from the bench and the total team defense. And obviously Dallas got up for them. I mean, Dallas was, was up most of that game. They ended up digging out that game. Nice little duel between Steph and, and Luca. And that was a rematch of last year's Western conference uh, finals that golden state smoked them in, in, in five games. At least I, it was five games, right? Golden State. I know Golden right. State beat them. Yeah, but I think it was in five games. Anyway, so I think Golden State will figure it out. I don't give Brooklyn that same benefit of the doubt because Brooklyn hasn't accomplished anything. So pay attention to them actually making a move because they might need to in order to save their season. Whereas Golden State, they just have to really improve internally. But I'm sure Bob Myers will scour the trade market if this doesn't you know, show some improvement over the next month or two. We'll see. We'll see. The, the West is definitely the more interesting conference. No the, doubt. The, the East is the better conference, but the West is just made for a more interesting uh, conference because teams like the Sacramento Kings are above 500. Yeah. The Clippers just came back without Kawhi and PG mm. to beat the Portland Trailblazers after they were just down by almost 20 points. Yeah. They blew the Portland Trailblazers just blew a lead. The same lead that the Lakers just blew <laughs> the other night as well. So yeah, uh, it, it's just going to be no a, a round robin. Is safe, and Carl Anthony Towns is going to miss six to eight weeks. We, I mean, he got lucky. We, I looked like an Achilles after oh. when we first saw him, you know, go down uh, the other night. But luckily, he he dodged a bullet there, and and he'll be back. What maybe come January? Also, oh. really quick, shout out, shout out to Shea Gilgis Alexander, absolutely balling. Shout out to Giddy. Shout out to the uh oklahoma city thunder dort i i I told y'all that the utah jazz were going to come back down to earth they were not a contender they're they're back down to the eight seed after losing what five in a row so and they lost eight out of ten exactly so but but against the lakers they they, of course they were hot though during that time they were beating everybody jay clark can't can't miss but the, the most consistent team has been the Denver Nuggets and the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah. They're at the, t- the two and the three seed. And uh, Zion looks pretty good. You know? Pelicans, so. though, but now, you know, Ingram's been dinged up. Now he's he's out with a little bit of a toe injury, so we'll keep an eye on, on the Pelicans. But everyone's going through injuries right now. Everybody's been dinged up these it's, first months of the season. Yeah. It's not even December yet. So. No, but I'm just saying well, everyone's been everyone's been dinged up these first six weeks, Jazz. I mean, everyone's kind of gone through some sort of injury at this point. And my main thing going into the season was everybody's healthy. Uh, it didn't last too, too long. So, <laughs> hey, man. So, let's get to my favorite part of the show. You guys know what it is. It's the show, social media posts of the week. You have so many options between the World Cup and the U.S. advancing to the round of 16. You got the college football weekend and the playoff. Shout out to USC being one win away from making their first appearance in the play in the college football playoff. I mean, you got free agency with baseball heating up. Is Aaron Judge going to go to the San Francisco Giants? Could the Dodgers possibly get Verlander? Lots of good stuff going on in the sports world. Chris, give me your social media posts of the week. Found a good one. Uh, and I hope you didn't find it too. It's uh, from at NFL underscore memes. And oh, man. I think. <laughs> ahead, don't tell ahead. me that was going to be your post. Just go. Just go. Just okay. Go. All right. Go. So it says, 
me supporting the U.S. men's soccer team after literally not watching a single second of soccer for the past eight years. And it's a video of uh, New York Giants uh, head football Brian coach, Dable. Brian Dable, wa running, walking off the field, screaming and yelling after his team had just won a game. So <laughs> I thought that was awesome because to be honest, Chaz, I think that's me. I think that's you. I think that's a lot of people because nobody really pays attention to American soccer. I mean, you may have a team in the MLS or whatever, but we all pay attention when it's, when it's the world cup and the U S is in it. So I just thought that was pretty hilarious and shout out to team USA knocking off Iran today. Uh, one to, or on Tuesday, I should say one to nothing and uh, advancing to the round of 16, right? Round of 16. Yeah, that's absolutely right, man. There's just so, so many options, man, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to have to go with at underscore, NK Rudy, I, I'm not really sure how to say it, but it, this was off, off the heels of Stephen A. defending Jerry Jones on first take after Jerry Jones's photo of him being uh, yeah. in Arkansas uh, at the at the protest in 1957 uh, when segregation was going on. They were integrating schools uh, in North Little Rock. Uh, there was a post that says. Stephen A. and Jerry Jones on the timeline today. And it's a picture of Samuel L. holding Leonardo DiCaprio in the famous movie Django after Leonardo was shot uh, uh, by the doctor, the dentist. What was his name? Chris? Uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Schultz. Uh, yeah. Dr. Dr. Yes. King Schultz. Yeah. The you really the German... want me to shake your hand. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, hey, man, this is... I thought it was funny as hell. It got a bunch of likes. Shout out uh, to NK Rudy uh, for this great post. It was funny as hell to me because Stephen A just be caping for Jerry Jones, and that's his guy. And I get what he was saying about, you know, what are we going to do? We're going to go back 40 years and bring up what people have done. No, but we are going to use that as a precursor to what they're doing in present day. And Jerry Jones hasn't hired black man or any person of any other color other than white to coach the Dallas Cowboys. He's hired a bunch of brothers in different other positions, but not the head of his team. So shout out to NK Rudy for this great post. I thought it was hilarious. Chris, another great show, another great week of content. This NBA season is just going to keep going and keep turning. And there's so many tips and turns. I mean, we've already been talking about Tyrese Halliburton and Anthony Simons and the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, and Luca and Steph, so much going on. So we're going to continue to have great content, another great show. You guys know where to follow me on Instagram, at Chaz Pearson, on Twitter, at Chaz P. Chris, where can they follow you, my man? You can always follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo. I'm on Instagram, CCamelo1. Uh, and be sure to follow our show pages at the outlet forum on Instagram and at the outlet forum on Twitter. We appreciate you guys tuning in every week and uh, yeah, great show tonight partner and uh, hopefully more to come. My dog. Well, until next week, we'll see you guys then. Peace.